Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Paul. Hi, Paul. Hello, Linda. How are you? I'm good. You? Oh, very good. Well, we're really close to Christmas now. Very, very close. And um, I have a question for you because I was asked by uh, Mr. Dougie what I would like for Christmas. Oh, uh, here we go. And I was thinking, hmm, what would I like for Christmas? Um, a lot of things. One million dollars. Peace on earth. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, um, righto. I've been asking that since I was three and it hasn't really happened. But, um, I was thinking, um, I have seen you recently because you have been doing an extraordinary amount of cooking mm. up until uh, very, very recently. And you are a um, prolific user of your vacuum drawer. Prolific. Yes. And I thought, okay, I know uh, our family have got them portable ones and overseas and they're quite common overseas. Mm-hmm. Um but I thought, okay, I don't know much about whether I that could be on my list of things to tell Dougie at the last minute. Get your checkbook out, Dougie. Well, I was, well, I was thinking of starting Does anyone small. have a checkbook anymore? Well, the client, anyway. I did see a client um, the other day, and a uh, lovely, lovely farmer. And the idea of net banking anything is impossible. No, he's, yeah. he, had, he borrowed an envelope from me as he left to pay me by check. Awesome. I know. Um, anyway, but uh, back to cooking. So Vacuum drawers. Vacuum drawers. And I thought, okay, I've seen you use it. I've seen you put any, like so many different types of food into mm-hmm. the vacuum sealer. Yep. And I'm just wondering, are they like for a home cook? Yep. Great or mm, depends. Can you freeze things after you put them in the vacuum? How long do they last? Like, yeah, I'm just sort of not sure that I would use it that much okay so oh this is a, yeah where to start so let's start with there's two basic types of vacuum sealer so the one that I use is what's known as a chamber vacuum sealer yes it's in an integrated drawer but it's what they would term as a chamber style vacuum sealer and then you've got the bench top ones um, like anything in life, you get what you pay for. Um, and in the case of making a comparison between a chamber style or a bench top vacuum sealer, uh, when I say bench top, I mean a little sort of unit about half the size of a standard keyboard. Um, it's the power of essentially the motor to draw as much air out of the bag as possible. In chamber style sealers, they have a larger motor, more power generally, and they draw more vacuum, which gives a better end result. So understanding the differences there to start with is one thing to consider, of course, because you know they are financially worlds apart in essence. Um, so chamber, bench top chamber vacuum sealers, which are more common in restaurant scenarios and you see butchers use them and uh, they're you know, the next step up from what a home cook would possibly have and they're expensive and powerful and bulky and get in the way and all sorts of stuff. Um, 
From a cooking perspective, I find them invaluable for many reasons because I essentially fly solo here. I need to work well in advance of my functions because I have to transport food. I have to do multiple course dinners off-site in very short amounts of time with very small storage space capability. Um, I find them invaluable for what I do. Um, So from a storage perspective of storing food, they are brilliant because basically you get everything into a standard size pouch. And if you are dealing at home with a small freezer, as an example, having everything in a vacuum sealed bag can save you on freezer space versus putting in square containers or plastic containers or whatever that are half full that chip and crack and all the rest of it when you pull them out, open the lids, whatever. From a food preservation perspective, they're excellent. So depending on the type that you have, um, but the more air that you draw out of a bag, basically the longer the preservation time of the food that you will have, whether it's in the fridge or the freezer. So as a generalized example, a piece of fish wrapped in cling film, which is what we've been doing for eons, or in a freezer bag, or in a Ziploc bag even. Um, And you put a nice fresh piece of fish in the freezer, and after about three months, you're gonna start to see deterioration. So anytime within that three month period, it'll it'll be okay, right? It might be as good as the, the day that you buy it. Of course, it never is when you freeze food. It's never as good as the day that you buy it, but we don't always necessarily buy food like that. Um, so about a good three months worth of lifespan and then after that three month period it'll start to deteriorate Um, you get depending on the environment but you get icing, moisture loss freezer burn, all manner of problematic things if you compare that to the same piece of fish in a chamber vacuum sealer with a proper vacuum bag you're looking at a minimum 15 months lifespan 15 months? Mm. Wow, okay. So, you know, it's wow. a much That's, longer lifespan yeah. for your food. Um, so, and a lot of people say to me, especially in this day and age, and it's something that I care about, that, you know, that, and I've had people comment actually because we did a post on Instagram recently about another thing that you can do with vacuum sealers, but um, someone posted a comment saying, oh, look, we're trying to use um, less plastic, not more which is a very valid point. But my retort or response to that is I would much rather use a plastic bag in that scenario and have my food last longer than purchase it and then in five months' time throw it in the bin because I've forgotten it was sitting in the back of the freezer and I've forgotten to use it. Um, I think that has a far greater impact than a plastic bag. So considering that that item of food may well have already been fished or slaughtered or whatever it was, and it's had some energy put into it to get it transported to the market, and then you've had some 
Mm, you know, it's been put in refrigeration at the market and then I take it home, wrap it in cling film, put it in the back of the freezer, forget it's there and then throw it in the bin. So it's basically been created and gone through this whole energy cycle and none of the energy that's in it, in it has been used because I haven't consumed it and I'm just adding to waste. So I would rather cut off about 50% of that process by using a plastic bag. Now, okay, yes, it's not great, but... I am preserving the food for much longer, meaning that when I do find it in the back of the freezer, I can still use it and it can still be eaten and it will still be edible and very good. Okay. So there is a few companies out there at the moment that are doing a lot of work on um, building compostable vacuum seal bags. Um, Now, depending on your vacuum sealer, whether it's a chamber style one or a bench top, little one um the way that the bags are sealed is through heat and some of the compostable bags don't tolerate the high heat that you need to seal the bag and prevent air from getting back in so that's still something that's in the works and a lot of people around the globe are working on that something i'm very interested in uh because ideally yes that would be fantastic uh some brands do have reusable bags like a silicon bag. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the only thing that you really need to be careful with that is to make sure that it's like thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly clean and almost sanitized before you go using it again, uh, especially if you do sous vide cooking in it. So if you cook in it, um, you want to make sure that it's super, super clean before you go put putting raw food in it again. Um, and the other thing that I do with it uh, and I do reasonably often, but not all the time, is use it for what I would term compression. So you can take items like strawberries, watermelon, any melon for that matter, rhubarb, uh, all different matter of fruits and veg- vegetables, and you basically slice them so that there is a lot of surface area, um, and then you put them in the vacuum sealer and seal them and basically what that does is is it is it presses almost like all the juices back into the item that you're vacuum sealing uh, and it intensifies the flavor and changes the texture slightly of what it is that you're pressing um, which offers up a whole different level of texture and uh, it's visually quite shocking to see what happens um, especially with something like a watermelon Watermelon becomes this super rich, deep, deep pink sort of thing. Whereas before, if you cut open a watermelon, it, you can almost see the veins and the grains mm, in exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, this totally textually changes it. So for, for that, you know, from a cooking perspective, it's kind of interesting. Um, probably not something that you would do day to day. So, yeah, really good. The other thing that they're really good for is is obviously marinating and doing things like that. Um, So a lot of people think that it helps marinate penetrate, and it doesn't. So you can put any particular type of marinade or anything like that in a vacuum sealed bag with, let's say, chicken or beef or fish or duck or pork or whatever. Um, It's not going to help with penetration. But what it does do is is help with coverage. So if you imagine getting yourself a whole chicken and you spatchcock or butterfly it out, 
and you make a whole bunch of marinade because you need it to cover the top and the bottom and the entire surface and you've got quite a big surface area. You could probably half or even do a quarter of the amount of marinade, put it in the bag, put your chicken in and because of the way the vacuum works, it will actually vacuum and spread that marinade over the entire chicken when it's in the bag. So you need far less marinade and you get a far better coverage of the marinade um, through vacuum sealing. It doesn't help penetrate it any, any faster, but yeah, you will get better coverage of the marinade by using vacuum. That's a good idea too, because then it saves on wastage. Because there's always so there's, yeah, yeah. Look, there's arguments to be set to be had for the use of you know plastics, you know these days, and I understand it. Um, but I think you know, okay. So the 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 pressing food, the compression one, is probably you could term that as wasteful, right? Um, but I think from a food preservation perspective, like put, especially packing stuff into a freezer, you can you can pack stuff far more efficiently. Your freezer doesn't work as hard. It will keep far far longer the food inside the bag. Um, and I'm a ma- I'm a huge rap for them because you can do, you know, I mean the amount of people that are doing sort of pre cooked meals and you can get them delivered and all the rest of it. Like you could do what we used to do to be totally honest with you what we used to do is do probably about 20 kilos of um, one of your favorites beef bourguignon so beef cheeks Mm -hmm. and we would get it all cooked all finished all done and we would portion them out into single portions um, and vacuum seal every single one of them and it gave us a much bigger lifespan of that but essentially what we would do is when you came into the restaurant we would drop the bag into a pot of water that would reheat the bouillon. We're not reducing the sauce and making it too salty. It had all its vegetable content. It was a meal in a bag. And all we did was heat some mash and then cut open the bag and pour it on top. So if you look at batch cooking, and if you wanted to do batch cooking at home, um, if you wanted to make five kilos of bolognese sauce, could quite happily do it and you can store it in a, a package that's probably about the size of an A4 sheet of paper and about what's that three centimeters thick and how many of those can you fit in your freezer versus how many plastic containers or you know tubs or whatever would you need well um, I have a lot of friends who are single okay no, no, how, is this how is this related <laughs> is that they often say when they're shopping that it's very hard to get a nice roast yeah. that's just for one. Yeah. And they don't want to have roast for the next four nights. Yeah. Because they want it that night, but they want to try something different. And yeah. um, unless you're my lovely friend Melva, who's happy to make, um, you know. Melva's just weird. Anyway. <laughs> but she, she will eat the same meal for five days because she's cooked it and there's a lot of it. But, um, but, other, but I think that's a really good way of maybe managing when you do, as you said, make... A lovely dinner but you don't want to have it every night it's a great way of preserving it for when you do need it yeah or for when you're really busy yeah okay so not that i'm ever that busy that i can't but you could food, do but like a, the thing is is you can do so you can vacuum seal liquids too like so you can do soups and things like that so when i do soup at home i never do three portions no. it's about 20 
Yeah. You know, and so you've got soup sitting there and you're like, oh, Jesus, do I have to have soup again? Or stock. Or stock. stock. So, I, I mean, that's a key thing for me yeah. because my sauces take generally two to three days. I have to work in advance and I need them to keep and last. So I make my sauces, get them finished, pour them into silicon moulds while they're hot, refrigerate that, and then take them out of the silicon moulds and, and essentially make ice blocks of stock and they don't have any chance of getting any oxygen to them any icing icing it would you know waters down the flavor it would ruin what is three days work for me so my practical day-to-day uses for them are probably not exactly what the home cook would do but if you do batch cooking if you have a chest freezer if you you know want to get some more value out of your food i think it's the best way to go and i mean Another example was, oh, I don't know, it must be four, five, six months ago now, was um, teaching Joel how to butcher a whole lamb. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, vacuum sealing, yeah. that's a, that for me is a much better way to buy your ingredients, always has been, buy your ingredients as whole as you can manage as far as your skill set within butchering or filleting or whatever it might be. Um, and you can't eat a whole, I mean... Unless you're having a lamb spit, you're not going to do a whole lamb every week. So butchering down a whole lamb, but making sure that that butchered lamb lasts in the freezer because, you know, you've got 16 lamb cutlets there. You throw a couple of bags in the freezer and, you know, three months later, four months later, when it's time to clean out the freezer, you're like, oh, lamb cutlets, how long have they been there for? I'm not quite sure. They look a bit icy, yeah, a bit dodgy, we'll chuck them out. Like that's well, sometimes we found things that are in the back of the freezer and you they've been there so long you can't remember whether they're chicken or yeah, that's beef, that the time completely iced over and you think, well, that's just psh, yeah. don't even know what it is, but psh, into the bin, yeah. And I mean, a lot of that's got to do with your freezer itself and how well it seals and all the rest yeah. of it, but I just take out that part of the equation for a second. You've got a bag, you can write on the bag what it is you can put the date on there and you're so going to get probably yeah. three to five times the lifespan out of the ingredient by vacuum sealing it so added to which you know your single friends get home late from a night out and they've done a big cook up of a braise a curry or whatever they can literally take it straight out of the freezer and put it in the steam oven or drop it into a pot of warm water and if you are doing that, if you are going to uh, take it out of your freezer, would you put it into cold water and bring it to the boil or put it into a boiling pot of water if you didn't have a Yeah, okay, so that comes down to the bags. Okay. So much like there is different, I think it's GSM for paper. Is that right? You're asking Yeah, well, you <laughs> work know. in an office and I there's know, always paper just, in here. Just, um, the... So I think it's a good, like paper it works on a thickness and grams mm-hmm. okay so there's a difference between you know paper that you put in a printer and cardboard and all the rest of it um the plastic bags that you use for vacuum sealing are similar um they work off what's called a micron so microns are essentially a number and that number dictates um what sort of heat that bag can tolerate and that counts in when you 
cook in the bag, but it also counts in when you seal the bag because they're the two times that the bag is under heat stress, if you like. Um, depending on which vacuum sealer you use, whether it be benchtop or chamber, you need to ask um, about the bags that you do use because there are two very distinct types. Well, they're essential. No, actually, I like there are three distinct types. One type has a textured inner, which is generally used for um, the bench top applications. The other types are very smooth, like see-through plastic bag, um, but there are two types of those. So some bags, you need to look on the label of the bag and it will indicate whether it is okay for cooking so it will have a generally a little temperature scale on the bag that says, yes, I'm okay to cook and I'm okay to cook at this temperature for this amount of time. Um, so most of them will have a scale between sort of 60 and 100 degrees. Um, and it might say 100 degrees for 15 minutes or 90 degrees for 30 minutes. And as the temperature lowers, the time increases, which that bag can be cooked in for. Um, and other bags are specifically for freezing and refrigeration only. Okay. So you need to get a bit of an idea from, depending on the vacuum sealer that you're looking at or buying or where you're getting the bags, have a good look around. Some of the bags will just say cook on them, which means they're okay to cook in. Um, some of the bags will just have a little icicle icon, like a snowflake, which means for cooling only. So, yeah, there's a few bits and pieces involved, but if you get the cook bags, the cook bags are good for cooking, but also good for storage. So I just go for the cook bags all the time. So you can freeze the cook bags, no problem, and you can take stuff straight from the freezer, stick it into your steam oven. I generally don't go the full 100 degrees or a pot of boiling water. I would, you know, somewhere between sort of oh, 75 and 85 degrees, I think is enough. Not that the bags can't hold up to it, but their time frame that they can hold up to 100 degrees is much less. So, yeah, go for bags that you can cook in because they will also be fine for your fridge or freezer. Okay. Bit involved there. No, I think that's really good. Yeah. So, um, I think I might add this to my... Uh, it's a short list, you know, but... Uh, if you get list. that, you'll be... Uh, and look, for mine, I... One of my old bosses, he was not convinced by vacuum drawers and I essentially sold him on it and he was the managing director of the company at the time and he wasn't convinced that this was a good product and I sold him on it and he cannot live without it now. It's one of those ones, once you get it, you're like, why hasn't this been in my life previously forever? And if you can afford it, get a chamber type vacuum sealer. The benchtop ones are good. But if you can, it's not, yeah, because it's also the cost, but it's also yeah. the space. Yeah, of course. And where, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the integrated ones, so the one that I use now, look, it's a, it's the same depth as an oven and they're all designed to go mm. near ovens. Um, it's the same depth as an oven and it's about 15 centimetres high. So they're not particular, there's not a big footprint. They don't oh. draw a lot of power. Um, and it, most of them are just a push to open or got a little handle on them or something like that. And they're really super simple to operate. You can there's also you can also get um, accessories for them where you can have external vacuuming for 
a one-way valve as a wine stopper, right? So you open a bottle of wine, you don't want to finish it, you stick a little wine stopper in and you draw the air out of it. You the... don't want to finish it? Well. <laughs> <laughs> what? You won't that be happens? getting the wine stopper accessory, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, no, but that's, that's also yeah. times that that's yeah. useful. And um... But preserving nuts and dry goods and like all of those things. Because, I mean, nuts are particularly, there's, there's one, like nuts are expensive and they go rancid. Yeah. So this could be a way of helping also plan for big events. Yeah. When you can look at all those things you can put into, okay. Especially if you have to okay. transport food. Yeah. Like if you're, tra- if you're going camping, anything like that, because if you've got an esky and someone leaves it open overnight and it, it three quarter melts, like, yeah, I mean, you can vacuum seal eggs. It's just, you don't want to do it on its highest vacuum setting but you can essentially have them sit in a sealed plastic bag that has probably less chance of getting water into it than a plastic box that has maybe a rubber gasket around it to stop liquids getting in. So someone's left the esky partially open, the ice is three quarters melted and all your stuff sitting there in plastic, it doesn't matter. You're not gonna lose all your food. Okay, well, there's another tip for you. Yeah, okay. there's, you know, well, lots, of, well, okay. lots of uses. Well, thanks for that. I feel a bit more uh, convinced. So thanks. Well, I'm not here to sell you one, but if no, you no, do no. one, I could get you a de- de- deal. <laughs> oh, I, know, I know someone. You know I know someone. people. You've got a, a wink wink. I know yes. people. Nudge, nudge, I know someone. Well, thank you for that. No worries. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. And we will uh, reconvene in 2022. Yes, we might squeeze in another one just before we finish up. Oh, okay. I don't know. We might. Maybe. Yeah, we'll we've still got a few go. days next week. You're not finishing yeah. work today, all right? So just... Okay, but let's yeah. see. All righty. All right. Thanks, Thank Linda. You. Happy Take cooking. Care. Happy cooking. Bye, everybody. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.